Matthew chapter 15, verse 1. Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. Well, we're looking today at the subject uh, of uh, real religion, real religion. And we have in this passage before us a confrontation, confrontation between the scribes and the Pharisees, these who had religious leaders of the day, and with Jesus uh, Christ. They were unhappy with him uh, for breaking one of these, their traditions, that the disciples hadn't washed their hands before eating, and they were, uh, they were unhappy with him, criticized him for it, but they were always like this. They were on the lookout uh, for uh, holes in Christ. These, these particular scribes and Pharisees, well, they come all the way from Jerusalem. Jesus is now in Galilee, most likely in Capernaum, and they've come all that way to find fault. It's not just it's a sudden thing that they have. They're looking for it. You see, they're, they're unhappy with Christ. They've been unhappy with Him for a while because all the people are flocking to Christ. The people are flocking to hear the Lord Jesus. And thousands of the people, sometimes they go one, two, three days without food because they're so captivated by His teaching. Why were they so captivated by the teaching of Christ? Oh, because He spoke like no man has spoke. And He said things that were so different, friends, so different to the way that the religious leaders were teaching them. They were teaching rules. They were teaching do's, don'ts, don't do this, don't do that. All they were coming up with, with these traditions, and they were so finicky and particular and scrupulous about keeping these rules. There was no life there. There was no spiritual life there in their teaching. It was just a set of regulations and made, it, they made the life of the people a burden uh, to, instead of uh, setting them truly into contact with God. But Christ's teaching was different. He spoke as if spiritual things were a reality, and they were to Him. He spoke as if he came from heaven and really knew God. And he did come from heaven. And he really did know God. And he was God. And his words captivated them in this, in this sense. He spoke of spiritual things as real things. And he, he was teaching the people how they could obtain real connection with God. Not just keeping a set of rules and regulations. He was getting to the heart of the matter the heart of uh, our being, the, the reason why we are here, how to, uh, to be in a, in a relationship with God, how to come back to really know uh, His blessing. And so people were flocking to Him, and that's why these scri scribes and Pharisees, well, they were envious, they were losing control and a hold over the people, and they were desperate to win them back. On other occasions, they said, why does your master, they said to Christ's disciples, why does your master eat with publicans and sinners? Again, another fool. And one, uh, on another occasion, uh, they asked uh, Christ, why are your disciples breaking the Sabbath by plucking years of corn? So they're always trying to find a fault uh, with him. 
But let's say a little bit more about these scribes and Pharisees. They were the religious leaders of the time. They spent time, a lot of time, studying the law of God. But they, the people looked up to them. The people looked to them for spiritual uh, guidance. And the people highly esteemed uh, these religious leaders. They were revered by the people because of their apparent uh, spirituality. Friends, their religion was only external. Their religion was only on the outside. They practiced the ceremonies. They did the sacrifices. And for a pretense, the Lord said, they made long public prayers. But it was all for a show. It wasn't for the eye of God. It was for the eye of people that they were doing uh, these things. They had their traditions. They were keeping their traditions but it was all so that people could praise them and say, oh, you're so holy, you're so righteous, you're so good, you're so wonderful. Instead of really being concerned, is, uh, is, my, uh, is my faith, is my religion uh, pleasing God? They wore special clothing. They made their clothing look different so that people would recognize, oh, this person is really holy. They did all these external things. Their religion was a sham. It was a pretense. It was not real truth. It was not before God. It was an insincere religion that they had. This is what it was like for the majority of them, an external religion. Basically, we could say they were playing religion instead of being sincere in it. They had no spiritual life within, no real contact with God, no, no grace in the heart, no heartfelt prayer to God, no love for the Lord in their hearts, no rejoicing in His grace, no delight in knowing that their sins are all forgiven and that they are going to heaven. They didn't have these things inside of them. They were not worshipping God. They didn't find God to be the most wonderful of all beings, the most adorable of all beings. There was no thankfulness in their hearts for His gifts and for His blessings. These things were absent within. It was just in the external. And this is what comes through uh, in this passage when their, their focus and their emphasis is on the external tradition of washing your hands uh, before uh, eating with unwashed hands. Well, friends, this is, has something to say to us because we too may slip into some, some kind of external-only religion and miss the real thing. And we don't want to do that. We want to make sure we have the real thing. We may, we may have grown up in a Christian home or a religious home, or maybe we are familiar with Christian teaching. Maybe we've heard it uh, many times. Maybe we've been going to church for a long time and we're familiar with the Christian jargon, as we, as, as we say, the biblical language. We, you know how to converse about spiritual things. I may place my confidence uh, in the externals of church attendance, coming to church, or a moral, a moral life, living a life that is outwardly good. And you may be better than your neighbor. You may look at others and it's true. Well, you are a, a better person in, in many ways than your neighbor. But that's, that's it. There may be no spiritual life 
within, on the inside, that's missing. The externals are there. You may be going to church, but there's no grace. There's no faith. There's no union uh, with Christ. There's no real uh, contact with the living God. There's no personal faith in Christ. You never come to a personal repentance. You've never known in your heart maybe a conversion experience where you, you know that God has changed you and made you a new person. There's no real prayer and you feel that your prayers are not really getting anywhere. Oh, friends, uh, we are, if we're a stranger to these things, it's an indication that uh, maybe something is amiss uh, within us and maybe we've slipped into this external kind of religion and of missing out on the true one. In verse, uh, uh, here we see these Pharisees and scribes, or well, they came, as we said, a long way, all the way to Capernaum uh, to find fault with Jesus. They had not come to learn from him, but to criticize him. As we said, people in their thousands, though, were, uh, were listening to Christ, and these uh, religious leaders were so afraid of uh, losing their grip on the people. They must bring him down, bring him into disrepute. And so uh, they, uh, they say to him, they criticize in verse 2, why do thy disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. Now the, 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 the matter of criticism here is not something as simple as a matter of hygiene. They're not saying, why, why aren't your disciples... Uh, eat, why are your disciples eating with dirty hands? No, it's something more than that that is mentioned here. It was, this was a ritual that was introduced uh, by a previous rabbi. And the, uh, the, the tradition went something along these lines. Everyone had to wash their hands before, eat, before and during uh, meals. They, when they used to wash their hands, they, we, they don't put their hands forward in a basin like we do but they would lift up their hands and uh, wash in, in that sort of a way with their hands uh, lifted up. But the point was that it was a ceremonial washing, not for hygiene's sake, but uh, 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 for, for us, uh, as a rite, as a ceremony. And it, the, the thought was somewhere along the line, maybe when you're in the marketplace, well, you may have touched inadvertently a Gentile, or you may have touched something which a Gentile had touched. And so then you would become defiled. Your hands would become defiled. You have to wash to, uh, uh, to be cleansed uh, from that uh, defilement. And this was a tradition that the Pharisees uh, had introduced or a scribe had introduced. It was not a command from God. It was an addition uh, to the law of God, an addition from the rabbis and the elders uh, from a while ago. It was a man-made rule. But this was just one of hundreds that they had added, which made life such a burden uh, to the people, the ordinary Jew on the street. And usually these traditions, well, there were so many, was but they were usually uh, negative ones. Don't do this. Don't do that. You can't go here. You can only go so far on the Sabbath day. You can't do this on the Sabbath day. You can't do that. And it made life very restrictive uh, for the people. 
but it was never, that was never what God intended it to be, even for the Old Testament Jews. Yes, there were ceremonies. Yes, there were sacrifices, but it was never meant to be such a burden. It was always meant to be an educational process for them to, for, through those ceremonies, through the sacrifices, they were to look to the coming Savior, the Savior who was promised and would be coming, and it was representative of His work. And so there was meaning behind those sacrifices and meaning behind those ceremonies which God had given. But these additional ones, well, they, were, they had really no, not much uh, purpose uh, to it. But so, so it was never meant to be uh, like this, but they had made it so. And there's a lesson for us here as well. Perhaps, friends, this is how Christianity has come across to you. Perhaps you, you look at the established church on the TV and you see sometimes the ceremonies that, uh, that go on on TV. And you, th you see all the candles and you see the way the, the priests uh, dress and you, th you think, why are they so funnily dressed? And why were they wearing all those strange-looking hats? And it looks so odd and it, looks, it doesn't seem to fit into our modern world. And you see all the incense and the statues and all these things and it puts you off religion. And it puts you off, off, off Christ maybe. You think, I don't want anything to do with that. I have nothing to identify with that. Well, friends, all those things are not true, the true religion. These things, we have to say, are also additions that have come down. When the, the true worship of God, when it was given, in, even in the New Testament, the services were never meant to be like that, what we see in the established church. They were meant to be simple and plain and God-honoring and where the Word is being preached and people worship God in spirit and in truth. Or perhaps uh, you have, you've held back from becoming a Christian because you think, well, following Christ is just a set of negatives. It's just a list of don't, don't do that. It's going to be so restrictive over my life. I don't want that. Well, friends, I have to tell you, being a Christian is so much more than that. If you've thought like that of Christianity, you've got the wrong end of the stick. You've got the wrong idea. It's true. You come to, you want, you want Christ, you want salvation, you want heaven, you must give up your sins. You cannot keep your sins and go to heaven. You must renounce your sins. You must be done with your sins. You must repent if ever you are, you are to have the Lord Jesus Christ because uh, you have to come before Him who is a holy God and confess and admit uh, that you're a sinner and that you need salvation and free forgiveness. But in serving God, there is joy. To be a Christian is a joyful thing. To be a Christian is to know a peace that the world cannot give you. It's to know a happiness that the world cannot give you. These things are found in the Lord. It's a delight to be a Christian. Oh, you don't know it. If you, if you don't have an experience, you don't know it. But listen to the testimony of those who have. And they will tell you, it's not a burden to be a Christ. It's not a burden to follow Him. It's a joy and it's a delight uh, to do so. And then this, this question of authority is raised. The scribes and Pharisees 
Well, they criticized uh, Christ uh, and his disciples for transgressing the tradition of the elders. Christ, in return, criticizes them. And he says uh, in, in verse uh, 3, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tra tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and uh, so on. And we, I'll mention this in, in, in a minute. So, but Christ responds also and says to them, you also are transgressing God's commandment. Now, they had introduced a tradition uh, which attached a greater authority, a higher authority uh, to their, their tradition than the fifth commandment. The fifth commandment said, honor thy father and thy mother. That is, love your, your, your parents, love those uh, and respect those who are in authority as well as the parents, regard them highly, obey them. That's what the fifth commandment was teaching. But they'd introduced this tradition which allowed children to circumvent the fifth commandment, to bypass it in some way. It goes something along uh, these lines. Uh, if a parent uh, sees a son and the son has something that the parent needs, and he asks, he asks the son uh, for that particular thing, well, the son can turn around and he can say, that's a gift, that's an offering, that's consecrated to God, and so I cannot give it uh, to you. And so the parent loses out. And this was the tradition that the, uh, one of, that the elders had also introduced. And so... People, the, ch the child was set free from honoring God and he could keep uh, that possession. Or was, in some cases, it went even further than just a particular thing. And a, a son could say, whatever it is by which I might benefit you is, uh, is now an offering to God, is consecrated to God. But he never probably really made uh, that offering to God, but kept it for himself. But you see, how he, he kept himself uh, uh, from honoring his parents, from doing his duty to his parents by, by this tradition which had been introduced uh, by, the, uh, by the elders. And it was higher. It was of a higher authority than the fifth commandment. And so Christ said to them, Thus have ye made the commandment of God of no effect, by your tradition. You've made that fifth commandment of ineffective. And that word is, is, is an interesting word. It says the meaning is of no value. You've made the commandment of God of no value, of no worth, and also of having no authority over them. The word no effect is, is uh, in the Greek also the word uh, from which we get the, the Greek word kurios, Lord. And it suggests that uh, no, this, this particular, the commandment of God is not going to have any lordship over me and over, 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 uh, over men's lives. Thus have you made the commandment of God of no effect by your uh, tradition. The tradition takes as a first place, the commandment of God is going to have no lordship, no say. It's not going to dictate to me 
how I live my life. This is what they were doing. Laying aside the commandment of God to hold on to the tradition of men. And they placed their traditions above God's commandment. Ignoring God's commandment, they thought that their traditions were better. Well, friends, do we do that? Do we do that? I don't like God's commandment, so I come up with my own. I try and circumvent God's commandment as well. And I, I try and find a way around it. I will devise my own set of commandments. These children were, were happy to adopt this tradition so that they could be free from uh, honoring their parents. And perhaps uh, that, that is something also we want to do. We want to be free from our obligation to God, from our duty to serve Him. He is our Creator. He is the one who keeps us alive. He is the one who blesses us with good things. He is the one to whom we owe obedience. He is the one to whom we owe our love. I ought to serve Him. He is a great King. I ought to respect Him. I ought to honor Him in my life. I ought to, I ought to have faith in Him. But I don't want to do those things. And so I find another way around. Maybe I will devise my own set of moral code, my own moral values. Oh, these I will follow, I say. This is, this is, this is good enough for me. I don't need to go and, and obey God's commandment to repent and believe and follow Him. I can ignore what God requires of me. My standards are different from His. Mine are better. Mine are suitable for me. I will be free, just like these children uh, could say. I will be free to do as I please and to go my own way. Oh, friends, uh, this is uh, not the way to obtain real contact with God. The ineffect here is the we see also here the ineffectiveness and emptiness of uh, their uh, religion. Uh, these scribes and this, these Pharisees. The Lord went on to say uh, to them in verses 7 to 9, Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoureth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. These teachings of theirs well, it was, wasn't that they were teaching the people. It wasn't going to help the people come to know God. It wasn't going to help the people make contact with God. It was just a set of man, men's commandments. The word here, the Lord says, it was in vain do they worship me. It's a religion that they had that didn't go past uh, the ceiling. It never reached the, the living God. And in consequence... Well, it would be no benefit to them. It would be no benefit just keeping these uh, traditions. No personal blessing would be known in their lives. They were as far from God, these scribes and Pharisees, as other sinners were. How could God bless them? How could God bless them, friends, when they were casting aside His word and saying, I want nothing to do with His commandments and I prefer my traditions uh, to, uh, to His commandments? Friends, they had no real faith. But we must have a real faith. We must settle for nothing less 
than the real thing. We must not be content with just the shell of a religion. We must want to really know God. We must cry to the Lord for a faith and ask Him to give us a faith within that connects us with Him and brings us into personal contact and relationship with Him. A faith in Christ that obtains forgiveness for all my sins, all my sins. A faith that will enable me to stand before God, the Holy God, on the day of judgment and be accepted by Him and being declared not guilty on that day and be told, come, welcome into heaven. It belongs to you. It's been earned for you by Jesus Christ. That's the kind of uh, faith that we need. That's the real th religion which God offers, a faith that will take me all the way to glory. Faith in Christ, friends, is something that is internal, something that is uh, uh, within us, within in my heart. I must believe in Christ for myself. I must believe in what he has done. In my heart, I must believe that Jesus died on the cross to take away my sins, that he suffered in my place, that God punished him instead of me. I must believe these things and take those things for myself and appropriate them, we say, by faith to myself and make them what he has done my own. I receive it, Lord. I receive what you have done on my behalf. I praise thee and I thank thee for it. I receive this good news with all my heart and I trust entirely in you. This is what we tell him within when no eye is watching. We don't do it for other people's eyes because in, we know we really want to be saved. We really want to be the Lord's. We really want to be his children. And so within we trust him for forgiveness. We trust him for a, a new heart. We return from our sins and we say, Lord, I'm done with sin. I'm sorry for it, but I'm done with it. And I no longer want to live in a disobedient way. I give my life to you. I yield myself over to you. This is what we need, friends. And not an external religion. Something within true faith in Jesus Christ. An internal connection with God. Oh, what a blessing it is to have, uh, have such true faith. But without this, all religious efforts are in vain. All religious efforts are useless, are empty. They will not profit you in the least if this is missing. This is the one thing we must need. Why hold, friends, onto your own way? Why trust in your own ideas? Why trust in your own commandments? Why take such a risk with your immortal soul, with your eternal destiny? Why go through life depending upon your own uh, commandments, your own ways? Trust in this way. Believe God's way. God's commandment is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will uh, be saved. It's a sure word. It's a true word. Give up, friends, your own ways and your own ideas. Come and submit to God's way. This is the way to obtain real blessing. 
This is the way to obtain spiritual life, something within, a power within, a grace within, uh, a blessing uh, from the Lord. This is the way, friends, to obtain uh, forgiveness from God and heaven in the world to come, a real faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, may the Lord grant it uh, to each one of us. Let's pray uh, together. Oh God, our Heavenly Father, again we thank Thee that we may have real faith in Thee, but Lord, we know we cannot stir up these things within us, but it is a gift from Thee. But we do ask that Thou wouldst bring each one of us here, even into true and a real fellowship with Thee, that we may know what it is to walk with Thee day by day, to enjoy Thee, to glorify Thee, Lord, to know thy blessing upon our lives, to know the reality of the name of Jesus Christ, and to have true faith in him. Hear our prayer, we ask in our Saviour's name. Amen. Amen. Let's close by singing our final hymn, 405. Hear a gracious God, a sinner's cry, 405.